right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, part two of adulting. Did you guys enjoy last week? If you didn't uh, catch it, make sure you uh, check out the podcast. And uh, it's really good because we talked about time management. I know a lot of people are uh, dealing with time management issues as you adult. So we're actually going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But at first, I'd like to introduce my friends. I consider all three of these people my friends, my good friends. And I'll let you just kind of introduce yourself and who you are, a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do. Um, I'm Mike's wife. That's how <laughs> some of you know me. Um, and my name is Emily. Um, I am actually a bookkeeper um, here at the church. Just started that about two months ago. Um, graduated from CSU and from Northwood Academy. Um, I just turned 24, so um, I guess that's, I've been adulting for six He's years. totally adulting. So, yeah, keep I'm doing books. good. You're an accountant. You're totally adulting. Yes. Uh, so I'm Brad Singleton. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I feel like I'm sinking into the crack of the couch, so I might adjust a lot tonight. <laughs> uh, I work with these guys. I'm uh, the executive pastor at the church, and if you figure out what that means, let me know. And uh, married, I have four kids. I'm 33, which makes me older than I thought I was. And... Um, yeah, so I've been adulting for a little while, I guess. Oh, yeah. I try, yeah. Okay. Very good. Yes. My name is Hunter, and I am Carly's husband. Uh, I was formerly known as her, I mean, never mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I actually work here at Northwood Church. I am the director for the small groups. I've been here for about five months doing that. I'm a member of the church for about 13 years. Uh, previous to that, I was in the fitness industry um, uh, for the past 12 or 13 years before that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for being here tonight and being willing to do this and kind of putting yourselves out there to answer some questions. And uh, <clears throat> uh, we've got some questions from the audience. Hopefully, you guys wrote some good questions because we'll be getting into those in just a little bit. But I have some questions for you guys. So uh, last week, we talked about time management. Because that is something that a lot of young adults are figuring out how to do. Uh, some people are really struggling with it and can't get things done on time. And uh, they procrastinate and things don't get done. And so, uh, But I, I would like to hear from you guys. Uh, what are some of your common practices that you do to manage your time and to get things done? Let's start with you, Brad. I got the mic. So, um, gosh, I feel like these... Both of these guys probably are more qualified like with their skills um, in time management. So make a list is big for me. Like um, I have like actual diagnosed ADHD, like not the hyper so much, but the inattentiveness. And, uh, and so I have to have a list or else I'm just going to do whatever ends up in front of me, like whatever walks in my office, whatever thing I see, that's just what I'm going to go towards. Um, and so like I have to have a list that I try and keep coming back to. And just one, like, I'm really, I'd love to have, like, oh, let me try this list-making app or this, you know, to-do or whatever. And then I end up with stuff all over the place, and I never open it up. And I oh, yeah, that one thing that's in that other app, like, doesn't help at all. So I try and have, like, one place for everything that I need to do. And then um, making a habit of, of, like, when I'm meeting with someone or talking with someone, if there's some, like, action I have to take out of that, like, writing, you know, putting it in there right away. So, um I totally agree. Yeah. Like, if I don't write something down, no. it's gone. It's done. Like, I don't, I'm not going to remember it. But I, I, I never knew that before, that you were diagnosed with ADHD. Oh, yeah. 
And that's, that's amazing because you are such a productive person. And I'm not saying people, you know, with ADHD, it can't be. Obviously, um, you're very productive and uh, you're really good at adulting. But, uh, can, I mean, I know we hadn't planned on talking about this, but um, what, is, what has that been like to kind of navigate through that? So, um, so I had a really hard time in school. I went to the academy also in Charleston Southern. And um, so, yes, go Bucks. <laughs> it's never like a really enthusiastic go Bucks. It's like when you hear it in the crowd. It's like, there it started we go. out okay. strong. All right, there we go, some love. Um, and these days there's something to love about the Bucks too. I mean, they get better and better. So anyways, get distracted, Brad. Ba- yes. <laughs> Welcome to my head. <laughs> And it's late at night, and I had more coffee, and it's all working together. So uh, what, I, what it was like for me, um, I struggled a lot through school. Homework took a long time because I wasn't focusing, all this stuff. And um, I was diagnosed, but there's a real stigma around that. So right. no medication, none of that all the way through school. In fact, like my personal thought, no one had told me this, but I was like, you know what, college probably isn't for me. And uh, I had ma- actually made plans to go to a Bible school that I thought would be easier than going to college. Like, let's just skip the math and the core and I'll just like do Bible and surely if I'm not good at that, they'll have enough grace to pass me anyways or something, you know, like <laughs> it'll all work out for me. And, um, Excellent. And the, my whole plan got wrecked with that. And I guess this kind of goes to another thing we talked about, but uh, I ended up enrolling at Charleston Southern as kind of a second option. Like, you know, you can't just hang around town and do nothing. So uh, I enrolled and had, even didn't think I would graduate. At one point I was on academic probation and had to petition against that and see if I could get my like limited amount of scholarship money back and all that stuff it was a big mess so like no one was more surprised on graduation day than me like standing in the in the halls of the coliseum like ready to walk out cap and gown and just shocked well I think it's powerful I mean and 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 you might find yourself there like surprised to be at graduation day but you're gonna be there Um, it's okay if you're surprised but you're gonna be there you're gonna get it done and uh, that's a powerful testimony. No matter what you've been diagnosed with or what somebody has told you, uh, you know, uh, sometimes people put labels on you. Sometimes uh, even important authority figures in our lives say things, and um, the, those stick with us. But it's important, you know, always remember what God says about you. Uh, and, and remember, you know, the, the Scripture. Hide the Scripture in your heart. Like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what you're dealing with and no matter how hard your schedule is, you can do it through Christ. Emily, uh, what, what about you? Like, What are some of your practices for time management, some practical things for us? Um, two things. I'm not, I mean, I like lists, but how I get things done best is writing them on sticky notes. And so like at any time my office is like covered in sticky notes and then I throw it away once the task is done. So that like helps me like visualize like, what all I need to get done, um, and then I'm able to, sometimes I have multiple ones on a sticky note, so I'll cross them off, but that helps me, and actually, it's rubbed off on coworkers, which is funny to see, but um, that, and then also, like, especially in college, like, I noticed um, I was, I lived at CSU with two other roommates in my room, and neither one of them had jobs or, like, were involved in anything, but I was, like, heavily involved here, and I was also, like, an intern um, at an accounting firm, so I was, like, crazy busy, and um, I would still, like, I had to get in bed by, like, 10.30 or 11 just because I needed the sleep to function, whereas my roommates would, like, sleep all day and then stay up all night doing homework, and I just found that, like, keeping busy, like, 
not filling your schedule like to the brim where you don't have time for like yourself or to wind down, but keeping it full makes you use your downtime more productively because you don't have another option. Um, so I found that is very productive because if not, like you'll just sleep and watch Netflix and by the time you realize it, you'll be six shows in and it's too late. So you just really have to be very aware of um, the time you do have. But if you put things in your life, like whether it's serving or a part-time job, you don't have any options. So that's one of my biggest tips for time management. That's really good. What about you, Hunter? So I, we have more questions, so I won't go off on this one, but okay. I'll just say something really straight and to the point. Manage your time or your time will manage you. That's so true. So true. All right, <clears throat> um, Brad, we'll start with you again. What are some mistakes? Oh, I cannot just real quick. Can I? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because I was the only person who didn't get any kind of anything, but I went to CSU too. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You guys all went to CSU. Okay. Um, so... One thing um, that I think is important for young adults to know is um, you, you don't, um, you, you haven't arrived. Um, there's still a lot about you that you haven't discovered yet. And I think uh, a lot of young adults are thinking about, you know, what is, what is going to be my major? Uh, what is going to be my career? Um, and, you know, I'm passionate about something, but there's a lot that I don't know about this area. And I don't know if I can if I could really pull that off. And so uh, let me ask you, I'll start with you again, Brad. Uh, is there something that that you were were not good at or something that how about this? Something that you're good at now that you didn't think you could be good at? Yeah, so one of the things I had no training in was uh like Excel or basically everything that Emily's good at. Like I hate Excel. <laughs> accounting and financial models and business type of stuff, right? Uh, but while I was at Seacoast, and that was my first job out of college, I worked at Seacoast and um, led the internet campus team, but we had this side project. We were going to launch a school of worship eventually, and it was kind of this dream out there. And an intermediary step was we wanted to do something we called Worship Arts Academy, and it was going to be a, an opportunity for the musicians in the church, you know, especially the ones that were you know, part of the, the different worship teams. They were going to train uh, younger or even adults in how to play music. But at the same time, that was going to be kind of a discipling opportunity for them to get together and, and talk about God. So we had to figure out exactly how this was going to work financially. You know, this is an opportunity to, uh, for these guys to make a little bit of money off of their craft and, and you know, charge for, to learn a little, for someone to learn a little bit. Um, but what was going to be the right price? And could we make enough to pay enough and, you know, pay the, you know, for the building to be used and cleaned and all this other different stuff? And somehow it fell to me to create a financial model for this. And I don't know, uh, there's probably plenty of way more qualified people in the building, but it fell to me to prove that this was something that's financially viable. We had no additional budget, so it had to, like, stand on its own. And so I, I kind of had some ideas, and I started hammering them out in Excel. And I, I had, you know, like CPT 101, that was all I had, you know, so... Uh, I'd start doing it, and every roadblock I'd run up against, I'd Google it or something, and finally, um, I, you know, there's something I'm not good at is asking for help. I don't know if anyone else is like that, probably at least half of you. Um, I don't like to ask for help. I like to think I have it all together and that, that I can figure it out in some way if I try hard enough, uh, but I was wasting a lot of time, so I went and asked for help, and, uh, and one of the guys that was the accountant at the church helped me get it all together, and um, turned out the model worked. I was able to present it to a bunch of guys um, 
we had an executive team. One of those guys was a former VP of Wachovia. You know, like, he probably could have done it in his sleep. And, uh, you know, we had another guy that was a real successful businessman and consulted with area businesses. So just the fact that they accepted it and said, yeah, this is a good model. This will work. And I can see how uh, you've taken all these different variables into, you know, I, I just had no idea what I was doing, and it worked out. So you'd never <laughs> me- developed a business model before, but they asked no, you yeah. to do it, even though there's all these other guys yes. that are more qualified. But it goes to you, and you do it, and yeah. did it work? Yes, it worked. They, um, they did that for a long time, and right up till they launched the actual school. That's incredible. Uh, had the Worship Arts Academy. It was That's a, incredible. It was a fun little thing. That's good. So it just goes to show you, uh, you know, ask questions, mm-hmm. ask for help. You don't have to have all the answers, but go and talk to people that have the answers. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, but also, you know, don't doubt yourself. Like, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so if something falls to you, if your employer says, hey, do you want to do this? Those are great chances to say yes. Like, yes, I'll try it. I'll do it. Step out of your comfort zone. Even if you're not familiar with it and you've never done it before, this could be an opportunity for you to grow. So, Hunter, um, now you, you owned your own business. You owned a, a gym. And how many years did you own the gym? So I had eight years. Eight years. Okay. Eight years. So uh, for those that are out there that might be thinking about owning their own business someday, um, let me ask you this. You're, you're pretty, like, a confident person. I, I think of you as a confident person. Like, yeah. when somebody says, you know, can you do this? You're like, yeah, I, I think I can do that. I'll give it a try. Um, were you always that confident, or did you have to grow into that? Like, how, how did that work for you? Um, yeah, I, I think that I've always been confident by nature. I don't, I don't know why necessarily. I don't think it's that a I'm, good thing. Well, I don't think that I'm good at everything, but I think that I can step up to do something. And yeah. so when it came to, and uh, we hadn't ever talked, we hadn't talked yeah, no, about no, no, this or anything like that, but yeah. we're just kind of having fun out here. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious. Um, you didn't have any doubts about starting your own business. You're like, I can do this. No, and it's kind of funny that you say that because I had people asking me. They're like, I mean, I had it for eight years. I sold it a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I've been here for five months. So I was fairly young at the time. So I had people asking me. They're like, do you know what you're doing? And I'm like, <laughs> no, not really. But I knew the business side of it, but I didn't know, the sh- like, putting everything together. But I learned through the process of doing that. Uh, but I think the, the, the confidence thing with me was just knowing that I felt like God had that for me. Like, I felt like I, there was a gift that he had given me yeah. to be able to do that. And yeah. so uh, that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did, and I ran with it. That's so. awesome. When you're gifted at something, be confident, because God's gifted you in that for a reason. Yes. it's good. Can I say one more point on this one, though, yeah. too? Like, I would not have been able to do that if I hadn't dropped my pride and taken every position that I could in the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking when the lights were out and people were going, I was cleaning the toilets. I was figuring out every aspect of what needed to be done to run the business successfully. So don't ever think that you're too good with doing what you're doing that, you know, that you can't be elevated up by something. That's so, good. so you didn't just start out owning your own business overnight. No and, actually, no, and actually I lived in a hotel in Rock Hill for a year, and it was not a nice hotel, but I did that because I needed to to finish learning what I needed to to be able to do what I did. So that was a season that I went through. So it's not all pretty, but the end result is worth it. Very cool. Emily, got a question for you. Um, <clears throat> when, you uh, when you read the New Testament, and especially like the letters of the Apostle Paul, 
you see uh, him warning people a lot, like warning the church, warning the believers, and just warning them of, of traps that are out there, of the, the enemy is trying to, think, uh, to trap them, or there's things out there that need, they need to be aware of. And I think it's important for leaders today to give warnings. Um, that's one of the, the reasons that God has called us uh, to lead is to tell people, watch out for this. You know, the, the bridge is out up ahead, or, uh, you know, there's, there's landmines out there. So when you, you know, you've worked with young adults for a while, and you've been a young adult, what are some of the, the things that you would warn young adults about, or what are some of the, the traps that are out there that you see in, in young adults today? Um, I think one thing is that either, I think young adults are split half and half. One, like as soon as they graduate high school, they feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders and that they're grown now, they're 18, I have to get everything figured out. Um, and I would say yes and no to that, like, um, I think our parents and the people above us do give us a little bit of grace when we are that young. But also on the flip side, I think there's also the young adult that wants to be a young adult forever and doesn't realize that they're about to get hit with the real world in a few years. Now, people used to always say that to like Mike and I, like when we were in college, like, oh, just wait. But no, like you are in the real world. It's just, it switches. It's just a little bit different, but you are being an adult right now, like you are adulting whether you realize it or not. But um, good. so I think that, and then also um, I was thinking a little bit with financial um, as well. Like I think the people, the generation before us, um, and I think of Dave Ramsey when I think of like financial stuff, mm -hmm. but the message that we always got or when I got when I was in high school was all credit is bad credit and um, like just get rid of credit cards, like cut up your credit cards, like that's all you hear. But really like we've learned that like if I didn't, like I got a credit card as soon as I turned 18 and like just put gas on it and stuff. And because of that, that helped so much because I did have credit. Because when you go to buy a house or a car or stuff like that, if you don't have credit, you're not going to get a good deal and you're going to end up getting walked over. So that too, which I'll get into that later when we talk about finances, but cool. I'm just very passionate about that. Like if you can like do something now to start building your credit so that way you do have a good reputation later. Good. What about you, Brad? What do you think are some of the, the traps that are out there in, when you see young adults right now? Credit cards? No, do you think I'm joking? No, <laughs> it is. It, it's it's no, I, good and it's bad. No, I, th I think um, there's, there's a lot, lot of people that don't just put gas yeah, well, on their credit card. Yeah, you have to be very disciplined. Like, no, um, I was, that was really a joke because we, we do use it in that same way where it's like mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to do that and um, or you know Disney points or something like that. <laughs> Poor kids, man. I mean, you know, got to do something. Got to go to Disney. So, um, I man, I gosh, there's there's so much wisdom in what she said just now. Like, it's really blowing my mind. The that idea of like all the weight or nothing. You know that mm -hmm. like that you are there. I think um, a big thing, a big mistake is thinking that like what you do has no consequence at all. You know, like that that you could do just anything you want, and and there's enough safety nets, and there are safety nets. I'll say that like. Like we've we've failed, you know, Bethany and I in plenty of big ways, um, and been able to bounce back, you know, in in others. So uh, that's that's for sure. But like, whatever you do has a consequence, one way or another. And mm -hmm. you know, if you start putting away a little bit right now, like talking about finances, like there it will add up to something later. If you 
uh, decide to spend it all now. Like you will have absolutely nothing or right. maybe less later, you know, right. uh, just thinking ahead a little bit. I feel like every time I've made a decision where it's like, I know generally it's a long-term bad idea, but I'm like, well, everyone else gets to make stupid decisions and why can't I, you know, like it always bites me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can Even you, in little things. Can you give an example yeah. of, of, like, when you were a young adult, some of the mistakes that yeah. you made, um, how you learned from them? Gosh. Okay, so this is more of, like, a maybe a relational one. In, our, in my first job when I was uh, at Seacoast, I, was, I started out part-time there, and I was working a whole other job, and I was just desperate to get out of that other job and do this thing that I wanted to do so bad and just, you know, felt so called to ministry. So I went to my boss and had this whole plan of, like, you know, this is what I, I would like to do and the pay I'd like to make and the, I'd like to have all these hours and uh, these are the responsibilities. And uh, it was the stupidest thing I could have done. Like, it, it was, it's probably set me back a whole year as far as, like, what he thought of me. Because when I presented that, what I didn't realize, because I had not run it by anyone smarter than me, I just put it out there, um, was that the list of responsibilities, if, if you read down them, it was not a 40-hour job. It was like, yeah, you should probably be doing all those things now, like in this <laughs> ha- in this twenty-hour period. You know, like it, it was so it was just so dumb of me to do that. And and it seems simple and like, but you know, that was my boss. That was the guy who late, at some point I did want him to make that decision, mm-hmm. and he just looked at me and's like, you know, there's a lot of guys who work for a lot less than what you're put on this paper, and they work a lot harder than you are. And I, you know, just like I felt so small. So uh, the lesson is. Be I mean, careful what I don't, you say. Well, I feel like don't, in a way, you don't want to overestimate yourself. Like, okay. and you know, run if you're going to go make a big ask, and I think you should make big asks in life. I mean, there there are definitely moves that I've been able to make because I like tried to bust down a door instead of just waiting for it to open. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to do that sometime, but go in with some wisdom. Like, and if you don't if you don't have it, then find it. Like, go talk to someone else. Run your idea by someone who would be like like your boss in another position and say. Hey, does yeah. this sound good? You know, so there's I, that time to bust down the door. Yeah. There's that time to clean the toilets, like Hunter yeah, was saying, I, I and work your way up. I should have gone in the bathroom, not to his <laughs> office. Yeah. Okay, so Hunter, got a question for you. Um, what would you say is one habit that you've had that has made like a positive impact in your life? So, one for me would definitely be working out, and that's for multiple different reasons. One is health and wellness. Two is it gives me more energy. Three is I feel like it makes me better at everything that I do. And it builds up a discipline that moves across the board in life. So it's not just, hey, I can't miss my workout. But then that funnels over to nutrition, which funnels over to other things in life. So it, it affects multiple or, areas of your life. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. What about you, Emily? What is one uh, good habit that's made an impact in your life? I just started doing this, or Mike and I started doing this about six months ago or so. We've started to get up um, an hour or two earlier than we normally would, and we spend that time um, drinking coffee and reading the Bible, um, and it's just really has changed, like, almost everything. Like, um, we go to bed earlier because we're actually tired, not just because our brain is tired from the day, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, Um, and also we're able to get out of the house without rushing around, um, trying to find, you know, the shoes, whatever. Um, it's just a m- much more peaceful morning. And to start off um, the day with Jesus is 
there's nothing better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, Hunter, I'll go back to you for a second. What financial advice would you give to a young adult? I would say to stay within your means because it's easy to look around and see what someone else is doing or what someone else has or what someone else is going after um, that may not be for you. But it's easy to look around and want things that other people have, Mm -hmm. whether it's me saying, okay, I have a date that I've put in place based on my finances when I'm going to get a new car finally. Not a new car, but for me it'll be new. But I see other people getting new cars, and I feel like, okay, well, I don't want to wait. So mm-hmm. I go out on a limb, and I get something, and then that kind of makes me Overextend. out of sync with, with what I'm trying to do. So I think it's, I think it's uh, staying within the means of where you find yourself financially. That's good. What about you, Brad? What financial advice would you give? Uh, I think you have to align your finances with your goals. So if you're budgeting, um, sometimes it's good to help with a template, start with a template, but, mm-hmm. but maybe not in the sense that a template might have you putting money towards something that isn't really for you. Like, you might value fashion or clothes or something, and so you have a budget for that, and other people might not, and they might value, like, I don't know, having the newest phone or something. Like, I think you have to kind of budget towards your values. I think really for us, um, if Beth and I were to, like, give just one thing, we would definitely say, like, you have to tie. Like, it has to be a part of, that has to be like the first thing that you want to do mm-hmm. out of your budget. There's mm-hmm. no way um, we would be where we are, and not that we're like, mm-hmm. you know, super well off. We have four kids. You know, the, yeah. the bills are all there. Um, like it's it's only because we tithe. Because neither one of us are like particularly gifted in that area. <laughs> like uh, it's just it's just not our, our strong suit to keep an eye on finances really well. well so. When you talk about templates, you mm-hmm. know, a, a real easy and, and basic template is tithe 10%, save 10%, mm-hmm. and live off of 80% of what you make, your income. And this is what Hunter is talking about. It's what you're talking about. Uh, Hunter is saying live within your means. Mm-hmm. And so if you can't live off of 80% of your income, then you need to make different choices. Maybe you're living in a place where the rent is too high, or maybe you have a car that the payment is just too much, and you need to make those changes if you can't live off of, of 80%. And tithing, what a, what a yeah. godly biblical principle that really affects so many areas of your life. You know, it's like what you're saying, Emily, spending that time with God in the morning, you're honoring God. When you honor God, God honors you. And, it's, and it works that way with finances. What financial advice would you give? Um, well, obviously, the thing about the credit, um, but also, if you can, have an emergency fund um, for, like, Dave Ramsey suggests $1,000, but you'd be surprised that once you have an emergency fund, the number of emergencies you have decreases dramatically. Um, Because if you don't have that like rainy day fund, you're like always scrambling like, oh my gosh, my car broke down. What am I going to do? But just to have that safety net, like we've probably had that for about a year and we haven't had to touch it yet, which that's a great feeling because before that it was like every month, like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, But to just have that safety net is awesome. And another thing um, I would say is to make saving easy. Like, there's different features that you can use, like, with your bank. Like, every time you swipe your debit card, a dollar goes into savings. But um, I am a big advocate for this app. It's called Coins, Q-O-I-N-S. And every time you swipe your debit card, like, if you spend 250 
like $2.50, it'll round up 50 cents. So it'll round up to the next dollar. And you can set up which debt account or which savings account you want that to go to. So like we have like, so since June, every month by doing that, we're paying an extra $70 to student loans, which doesn't seem like much, but it's just rounding up. Like if you were to ask us at the end of the month to hand over $70, that would be, that might be difficult, but like doing like 50 cents here or there, we don't feel it as much, but we're able to put additional money towards debt, which is really, which will, which has helped. It's really good. Really good. All right. Well, uh, I would love to take some questions from the audience. So, um, while Aaron is, is bringing up some of those questions, uh, I'd ask you guys about your, uh, your favorite proverb. And uh, actually, Bradford and Emily, you guys had the same favorite proverb, which is cool. Um, but uh, I, I think that if you want to grow in wisdom, and we all need to grow in wisdom, uh, the book of Proverbs is like a wealth of information. There's so much wisdom. There's no man that has uh, ever been as wise as Solomon. Nobody that will ever be as wise as Solomon except for Jesus, and he didn't count for that. Uh, but, um, oh, thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it. Um, so read a, a proverb a day. Maybe you guys could just go really quick on why this is your favorite proverb. But for Emily uh, and Bradford, it was Proverbs 16, and um, I think, Emily, yours was verse 3. Yes. And Bradford, he, he wrote 1 through 3. So I'll just read that. Uh, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So what do you guys love about that? Um, I am, um, I love the concept of stewardship and being a good steward of what God has given um, me or us or whatever situation. So whether that be a home or finances or a job, um, I just love that. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Like I just feel like that's speaking directly to your stewardship and what are you going to do with God gave you, whether it's $10 or 10 million. That's really good. Bradford? Yeah. So, um, like this kind of nerdy, but if you if you go to like the English, you know, like like the English class, and you kind of structure these. The the first two are like declarative. They're like they're just statements of like this is what is true, and then the third one is that imperative of like so this is what you should do about that. You know, and so I feel like you know that first verse where it talks about um, you only take it by the first verse. There we go. Uh, talks about the uh, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. It's like. Yeah, you have an idea of what you want in your head and, and what, what you think is going to happen, but God has, like, the last say. Like, God mm-hmm. has the final word in that. That's awesome. Um, and I, I feel like I've had my plans disrupted enough times right. to kind of get over the idea of, like, like yeah, I can have an idea of what I want and whatever, you know, I should, I should do that, but ultimately you do have to commit it to God. And I think part of that, like, the way I read that is that the, the closer you do get to God, the more your plans align with his. And so it, it's, you're not dealing with those disappointments of like, well, God, I really wanted to do this. And because you know, then the second verse talks about his, uh, uh, how he knows your, your actual motives and your heart behind it. So the more you kind of align with God and, and say, okay, God, what is it you want? The more you get to delight in those plans because he's, you know, kind of just, you know, you're, you're doing the thing you want to do. And it's like, it all comes together. That's really so, good. Um, you know, you do that, and you avoid getting your plan kicked in the teeth. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Hunter, yours was Proverbs 18.10, and uh, if they could put that up there. Uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous man runs into it and is safe. Why is that your favorite? I mean, that's just, for me, that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, he, he is where, where we want to be now, all there the time. Used, so. Back when I was a kid, there was a song. That there goes, was. I remember that song. Do you, remember, yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. the motions? Yeah. The motions? There's yeah. No, oh, you mean Yeah, dance? it goes like this. Uh, it goes like this. <laughs> it goes like this. Um, the, I think it's the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and <laughs> no. they are safe. That's what it, that's how it goes. That's the I motion. remember the song. I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we got some questions from the audience. So we gave them some slips of paper during dinner, and uh, some of them wrote questions. So uh, obviously you guys haven't seen these, so this will be a surprise. Uh, how can I handle student loans without dying because I have student loans like daily trying to be calm? <laughs> Deferment? No, <laughs> no. Emily, Emily better. Who wants to take that? Well, it depends. Most of the um, lenders, when you do have to start paying on them, you can do income-based payments or um, just your minimum payment. A good rule of thumb for those who are just starting into college, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was younger, every $10,000 that you take in student loans is a $100 a month payment, um, which that's a good rule of thumb. Um, but there are income, there are situations that you can decrease it. But um, that app or things like that where you can save or put little portions to the principal, that'll help in the long run. Um, but, yeah, it'll be okay. And sometimes if you work for, like, a nonprofit or something, after you pay the minimum payment for 10 years, the rest will be forgiven. That's good. And it's okay to drive like the ugliest, old, beat-up piece of junk car that you can find until your student loans are paid off. Yes. It's okay to do that. Anybody else on that question? Okay, I'll go to the next one. Um, how do I approach moving out of my parents' house? <laughs> okay, let me see. Did you move out when you got married? Is that when I moved out oh, to go to CSU, and then, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, like, you have your own job, I would say, like, save, like, three to six months of expenses before you even do it. So that way, like, say you get in an apartment, and then you move in, and then you lose your job, and then you'd have to turn right around and be like, Mommy and Daddy, I messed up. So I would just, like, be, like, super wise about it because – like, live at home as long as you can possibly stand it, because then you can, and I said stand it, like, I know it's difficult, but, like. It's free. Yes, it's free, and you can save up money, and then you can, like, have a down payment on a house, or, like, pay a whole rent, or a whole year's worth of rent and at one time, so that'd be cool. So, uh, I don't know the whole story behind that. I don't either. I mean, I don't know if they're asking, like, how do they tell their parents, Mama, can I move out? I don't know what they're asking. But, um, but what I did with that was when I graduated college, I actually bought a house. And then I had two roommates who paid the mortgage. And I did that for several years. And that, over time, can turn into a, a pretty picture. But you have to be able to be in the position that if you don't have roommates, that you can cover the mortgage and the taxes and the insurance and, and all of that as well. Very good. All right. This is a big one. Um, how, to av- how to avoid premarital sex relationships and combat loneliness? How, do th- how does somebody handle that? 
holding the mic, huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so Bethany and I started dating when we were in uh, high school. And so we, she was 15 and I was 17 or 16. Mm-hmm. We were like a year and a half apart. Um, she was a freshman, I was a junior. And of course, that's like, a, you know, you're not going to get married in high school, so you got a ways to wait there. Um, and we weren't going to get married right in college, although we ended up getting married in the middle of it. Uh, at one point, we just had to, like, put some really strict limits to where we didn't even, like, we just, like, kept backing them up until it worked, honestly. And it wasn't that fun in a way, <laughs> but but we we were committed to each other in that way. So, like, we ended up not kissing for a long time, like, wow. bef- up until, like, not that we didn't at all, but just, you know, because we just had to basically keep backing it up, like, yeah. so we wouldn't kiss on the lips, I should say, like, but on also cheek or... most other, not other places, I don't know, I shouldn't go. <laughs> you meant, you meant like, you know, it's okay to kiss around the cheek or right, the hand Yeah, we kiss the cheek, uh, I think, I mean, we had a little, you know, we thought it was cute, like, we would line up, like, forehead, chin, something, I don't know what we did, something like that, but. Yeah, you had uh, a plan. Yeah, we had, yeah, you had a chin, but, forehead plan. But that, like. It's good. It started as, like, okay, we're just going to, like, do this, and then we're going to, so, like, that didn't work. We're just going to, so we just kept backing the line up a little further and further until it was far enough away, I guess. I, uh, two really easy things. It's very lonely, though. Well, actually, two. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, two, two very obvious things, I should yeah. say. It's not always easy, uh, but two very obvious things is. Don't be in a house alone. Um, you know, like, don't be in that situation. Like, come over to my parents' house yeah. because nobody's home. Or you go over to her family's house, nobody's home, whatever, apartment, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just going to get in trouble, you know. You're yeah. just going to get in trouble. Um, if it's, it's difficult to have self-control once you're already in the house alone. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot easier to have self-control when you're, when you're just planning your day, like, hey, are we going to go over to your house? Or are we going to go see a movie? Are we going to go out to eat? It's a lot easier to have self-control in that moment. And then uh, don't, uh, don't be in the car alone, like parked somewhere. Um, you know, like the, the Target parking lot is fine, but don't go out in the woods where there's like nobody else. Uh, you know, that's going to be the same thing as being in a house alone. So yeah, that's good advice, okay? Don't laugh. Yeah. All right. Um, one more thing, um, and this is, this is a loaded question, but maybe just really briefly. Um, explain the foundational things one needs to know in order to lead a family biblically. So maybe just like one principle, uh, how to lead a family biblically. All right. Um, oh, gosh. Foundational things. Um, if you had to just give one. Yeah. I think, well, okay, so you have to serve. That's the biggest thing is, like, a lot of people can read the Bible and they take it to mean, like, especially as a guy, like, okay, I've got to, like, rule over my house and this is my kingdom and this whole, like, uh, patriarchal mentality. Um, I don't think that's biblical at all. Like, that's not what what the verses are saying. So uh, always make it about the other people in your house and don't don't expect it to be, like, you know— so many, there's a lot of guys, uh, and this is, I mean, it's a little bit generational, but we're still in the South, so, like, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to come home, kick my boots off, I'm going to be, you know, my kids are going to worship at my feet, you know, or whatever. Um, they won't, by the way. No. <laughs> um, but I think you got to, like, this, I don't know, this is advice for way later, but you got to come home, like, 
and get yourself mentally ready and say, okay, like work's behind me now, and and so what I need to do now is be ready to lead and come home and because you're gonna set the tone for your home when you when you come home and you know everyone's looking to you for that. So, um, yeah, in no way do you do you get to just come home and be the king. You got to yeah. be the servant. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, and I think as a woman or as a wife, like you have to submit. Um, under your husband, like, I mean, obviously that, if he's serving you, it makes it easier, but like sometimes like, um, I'm not saying Mike doesn't serve me. That's not what I, that's not what I was trying to say, but I'm just saying like, you can have an attitude too of instead of like nagging, like be encouraging or, um, just have an attitude shift. Like, um, you know, I'm not going to act this way. I'm, I'm going to do this and it's not always fun, but it's worth it. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is a piece of advice someone else told me. Um, they said, marry well. And like, it seems like an obvious thing, but like, one of the reasons I started dating Beth was that she was, you know, in a small pool of girls in a private school, she was the one that wasn't always causing drama, right? And I mean, I, she was beautiful. That was, that was part of it. But like, I didn't want to be with someone who was always, you know, like, oh my, you know, this, that. And, you know, she, it was just, I didn't need that type of, additional layer of, of drama on top of my chill. Like, I didn't want that. So I just said, like, so, so I, I really enjoy, and, and to this day, that has, in a way, paid off. And I tell you that all the time. Like, I'd love that you're not always in a fight with someone. Not always, like, it's not always about you and what someone did to you or whatever. So, um, you know, figure out a little bit of that of what you want. Like, not just, you know, a beautiful That's woman good. or something. Like, but what do you, what kind of character quality are you looking for? And as simple as that was, no drama worked out. So, like, that's good. But, one. but yeah, someone once told me to marry well. Last one. You mean to say something or not? It's up to you. Love, right? It's all about love. <laughs> it's all about love. Love, love. I, also, also, also to add to that, I think I, I think I said this before actually too, but I'll say it again. So I think, uh, I think. This doesn't answer your question exactly, but it's something I think is big, especially being a husband to someone like Carly, is listening. Like, listen to what she has to say. Uh, like, this might sound a little bit confusing, but sometimes you hear something, but you don't listen. Like, if I say, hey, what, I'm trying to, I, I hear something, but then you can say, well, be quiet, I'm trying to listen. There's mm -hmm. two different things, mm -hmm. right? So you don't always listen when you hear, so you have to try to listen. I think that's something that we're, we're getting, our culture is like getting worse at, is listening. And it's something that we really have to be intentional about is let's learn to be good listeners. Um, so that's really good. Um, Hunter, I'll ask you to, uh, to close us in prayer, and uh, then we're going to have some table talk. Okay. And thank you guys so much for taking time out and answering all these questions. Yeah. Give them a hand. Fantastic. A lot of wisdom. Yeah. So. Father, thank you for a, a good night and the crowd that came out tonight. Uh, just thank you for all of these these guys that, and their faithfulness to you. And uh, thank you for the time that you've given us tonight just to share a little bit about who we are, where we come from, and some of the stories that we've gone through and life experiences that we've had, um, some of the wisdom that we've been able to gain. And we pray that the wisdom is grown through this group as well as we move forward through the night. Pray that you'll be with our conversations as we uh, have our table talk. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.